Welcome to Freeman on Real Estate, the podcast about the hard facts behind what's going on in real estate. Realtor Mike Freeman of Coldwell Banker, who holds an MBA in finance, draws from his financial background and deep network to bring the most value for anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Freeman on Real Estate. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network with you as usual and alongside me as usual, Realtor Mike Freeman. Mike, how are we? Doing great, Dave. How are you today? Great. Great to have you back here in studio. Great to have another episode of the podcast where we welcome a guest, which is a fine new tradition of Freeman on Real yes. Estate, although this is going to be particularly special and particularly fun. So if you would do the honors... Yeah, sure. So introduce our guest. Yeah, so I was trolling the streets of Westwood, and <laughs> this guy was just randomly walking down the street, and uh, I said, "You look like you might know something about sports now." So <laughs> this is Mark Filipkowski. He's a fellow resident of Sharon. I've known him a very long time. Wow! And the uh, crowd loves him. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about sports. We're going to change things up a little bit here, and we're gonna we're not going to talk about real estate. Well. Only the real estate that the Celtics championship trophies occupy on the mantle. Exactly. There are many. And so we'll start with the, the Celtics in this episode. And the next episode, we'll, we'll get some pats and maybe some other stuff in between. But where's a good place to start? You want to talk about, I, I want to hear from you, Mike, because you're the, you're the, I mean, apologies, Mark, but, <laughs> but you're like the biggest Celtics fan I know. And all of a sudden, it's, incredibly bright future well futures this season like lo and behold we might be the best team in the nba but what do you think yeah i think that they they definitely have the most talented starting five and i was really excited by the trades that brought drew holiday and uh, porzingis into boston but their bench is not that great and i think that that may come back to haunt them and i was thinking about this earlier they lost four of their top eight players they lost smart Grant Williams, Rob Williams, and Malcolm Brogdon. Mm. Who, who, by the way, just to throw in real estate, he just sold his house in Westwood for a uh, West Wellesley for four point five five. I think. Wow, we got some real estate in there. But you know, you lost four pretty good players, and you brought in two, and that's really the plus minus from the team. So they're hoping that Pritchard and the other uh, Hauser. They're yeah. hoping the Pritchard and Hauser step up and, you know. So I think they have a really good team, the 4-0. I went to the game the other night where they won by more than 50, and that was a great game to go to. Yeah. So I'm excited, but I'm not going to let the start get me too excited, and I'm definitely thinking that I'm a little worried about what will happen in the playoffs because they're not very deep. They need to add. Hmm. Um, well, they may along the way. What, Mark, Marcus Smart, sad to see him go? Do you care? Oh, boy. This is uh, a bone of contention with Mr. Freeman over here. Well, let's do it. This is what the podcast is for. I was I was a huge Marcus Smart fan. Mike was not. I was. <laughs> I, I, I I just loved the way he played. I loved his intensity. I loved his defense. Obviously, Defensive Player of the Year a couple of years ago. I just thought he brought all those intangibles that a team needs on a consistent basis to lead a team to the playoffs and hopefully a championship. Mark and I coached youth basketball together for a number of years. Do you remember when we got this kid named Judah? And he was such a, a nice kid, very soft-spoken, shy kid. 
But, man, he hustled his butt off. And at one point, you grabbed me. It's like, it's the fourth quarter. Judah has six rebounds already. <laughs> but, I, by, by the way, Dave, I could go on and on and on with Judah Kazowski yeah. stories. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Fantastic kid. A great find by us that, that season. Yeah, you, and by the way, you took him from our team. That's correct. I, I had <laughs> oh, him, that's I, right. That's I had right. him for a couple of years. He got elevated, yeah. And then he got elevated. Um, but yeah, no, great kid. Great and, kid. uh, I, I was telling Mark, we're really going off on a tangent now, but I ran into him recently and he's like this big kid. He's like, I don't know, like six two and he's, wow, uh, looks completely, yeah, cause he was a small kid. Yeah. But he was like so friendly, and he's. I, told, I was telling him I was actually going to see you shortly. I think I was meeting you at Mick Morgan's, Mark. And so he was like, "Oh, you got to tell Mark I said hi." But uh, I ran into his dad. His dad, Josh. Uh, he's he's a doctor, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I, I went. I, what was I there for? I went for. Uh, I might have even been in urgent care, or no, I was in Brigham's the the medical practice there, the primary care. But I was kind of on a. I forget what was ailing me. I'm getting old. Could be anything. But the doctor sits down. He goes, "Hey, Dave," and I'm like. Do, have we met? He's like, he's like, I'm Judah's dad. I go, oh my god! So we spent the next 20 minutes talking about Judah. Marcus Smart, you were happy yeah. to see him go? Yeah, I was happy to see him go because although I think he did bring, I, I agree with Mark about how he brought some intangibles, and he was a very good defensive player. But I also thought that his shot selection was horrible, and there would be he was not a good three point shooter. He wasn't a good shooter, and so. <laughs> You know, he he thought he was a lot better than he was offensively, and I think he really hurt the team. And so whenever he'd make a great play on defense, I felt like he'd give it right back on offense or he'd make a bad pass and throw it into the the fifth row. (laughs) So I kind of felt like he got a free pass on that because he's hustled so much. But one thing I will say is that, you know, I know, Mark, even though you're Marcus Smart fan, that you said you were pleased with the trade because they got Porzingis and you're happy with that acquisition. No, I, I I am. I had no issue with bringing in Porzingis. I definitely think it was was a good trade. My issue with Porzingis is whether or not he's going to be able to hold yeah. up. You know, clearly there's a track record of injuries. I mean, he had a he was injured before the start of the season. He didn't play in the FIBA World Cup. I think he had plantar fasciitis, which I've suffered from. It hurts. It can yeah, really it last for months and months and months. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to handle the rigors of an 82-game season. Yeah. If he holds up, I think they have a legitimate chance. But I think it's 50-50 if he plays more than 60 games. And that gets to what I was saying earlier about depth, that when yeah. I when I worry about the depth of the team, that's – Porzingis is something I'm specifically thinking about, that they, they need another big man, I think, even with him. But if something happens and he goes down, I mean, there go, you know, their chances. And, and you know, people are talking about, so so off air, we're talking about Daniel Tice. Okay. And he's with the Pacers, and even though the Celtics beat them by 50 points, Tice didn't get in the game. And so he's clearly not in the Pacers' plans. And so there was some talk about, Maybe they'll eventually buy him out, and they can go anywhere he wants. And will he come back to the Celtics for a third time? Mm. And he might. You know, he's not a star. He's a pretty serviceable player. But if something happened to Porzingis and they brought in Tice, would I feel good about Horford and Tice? Not really. Mm. Yeah. I find it interesting that there are some players who seem to be, even though they're on a different team, they always end up back on the, the team they started with. I'm thinking of, like, the, the Red Sox, when they were terrible in like the 80s and 90s, would always pick up Steve Lyons if there was no one else yeah. around. He ended up coming back three times. He was like four four different tours of duty. Who's We mentioned Smart, and we, the debate can remain. 
unresolved as to whether he truly was the heart and soul of the Celtics. But who's your favorite? This is a question for both of you guys. Who's your favorite Celtic? Who's your favorite non-All-Star Celtic, like, of all time? You can name more than one. Of all time. Of all time. Wow. I thought you were going to say of, like, this current team, and I was going to say Derek White. Yeah, he's the – I'm referring to, like, a, uh, a guy that, you know, is uh, probably not in the starting five. Oh, okay. And, and like uh, – a role, a role player, I guess. I guess that's, a role. And player. I know Smart was better than that, right? I mean, he ended up being Defensive Player of the Year, but but the thing people remembered about him were the intangibles. I'm thinking of like an ML Carr. I always loved ML Carr. Yeah. Um, he they hated him outside of Boston. I thought it was such a thug, right? And that's the best part about ML Carr <laughs> that everyone else hated him. Yeah, I would put ML, ML would be pretty high up there on my list. I really liked Wedman. Mm. Although he was previously an all-star, so I don't know if he really counts, but he was coming off the bench here, and I think he played pretty big, pretty good. He was a role player when he was here. I remember him saying after they won, and what, was he on the team in 86 or 84? One of those. I think 86. 86, yeah. yeah. and he, they asked him, he said, what does this mean to you? So, well, I, you know, obviously I'm at towards the end of my career, finally got a ring. Just goes to show you if you keep working at something, you know, you'll get it. And I kind of want to say, well, yeah, but it didn't hurt that you went to the Celtics <laughs> with Larry Bird and, and Robert Parrish. Yeah. Any other f- favorite underrated Celtics of the past or whoever we want to call I'm, I'm going to go with, for that one year, Bill Walton. I was thinking uh, yeah. Walton. I'm going to go with Walton. I, I just finished reading a book over the summer by Shaughnessy. It, it was called I Wish It Lasted Forever. Mm. And it was about Shaughnessy being like a 26-year-old beat reporter for the Boston Globe covering the Boston Celtics. And I highly, highly recommend the book. Oh, cool. I mean, the stories in it are amazing. But just the appreciation Walton had after all the injuries and all the ups and downs in his career to come to Boston for 1986 and stay healthy pretty much for the entire season, he still talks about it today as his single most fun, greatest year in the history of his Which is crazy. basketball career. Which is crazy. Yeah. It was those years at UCLA, and and he won a championship Portland, with the, yeah. the yeah. Portland. Yeah. He, he said it was only I've, – I've heard him talk like that as well, and it's only it's one of only two times in his career that he played all 82 games. Right. Now he only played 20-ish yeah. minutes a game, wow. but yeah. he played all 82 games for the Celtics that year. Yeah, which was remarkable given his age, and then the following season I think he, he broke down. But, yeah. That's right. But – my mem- my for some reason my enduring memory of Bill Walton was the night where when Bird stole the ball from Isaiah, and it's just one of these things where Larry Bird was on a different planet than like every Celtics fan. I remember watching at home, and you know for those that don't remember, it was a playoff game, and it looked like the Pistons were finally going to get the upper hand over the Celtics. Right. Bird took what was supposed to be the last shot of the game. It got blocked. Dennis Rodman's running around like celebrating there's one the two ticks on the clock left or whatever Isaiah goes to put the ball in play all the fans sitting there deflated and like from out of the frame of course Larry Bird flies in steals the ball and I remember Walton on the bench had a look as surprised as like any fan would have been he just became a fan and he just yeah. he's he's cheering he's just waving the towel around so clearly he just loved it he also loved going to Grateful Dead concerts with um was it Mikhail? I, well, he, I, I remember that he took he took like a bunch of them to Grateful Dead concerts, especially in California. He took like the whole team, and then they wanted to go back again. 
read the book because <laughs> they talk Those about wonder. going to Grateful Dead concerts at the Worcester Centrum. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and let's just say Bill had a special pass, personal friends with Jerry Garcia. Awesome. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to check that out. What as a as a fan, what was your favorite season to be a Celtics fan? Well, for me, it was definitely that 85-86 season, but not just because they won the championship and it was their best team. That was actually my freshman year of college, and I actually slept out in the alley next to the garden in like September or October of 1985 with a few friends from college and got tickets to like all the, the best games that year, like the Bulls and the Knicks and the Lakers and... So I went to more Celtics games that year than any other year, and it ended up that it was their best team. So that's definitely my favorite year wow. because of that. Do you miss the Old Garden? No. That place was a dump. <laughs> it was horrible. Mark, do you miss the Old Garden? I do miss the Old Garden. I do. I do. And, yep. you know, absolutely my favorite team was that 86 team. Yep. I had just graduated from college. Just uh, obviously a great time in your life. You're about mm-hmm. 21, 22 years old. And the thing about that team, I remember, I believe they were forty-one and one at home. At home, yeah. The only yeah. team to beat them, Portland. Good. Is that right? Very yeah. good. Hmm. Very good. Yeah. There was. I mean, what do you remember about the old garden? Like, like, be more specific when you say dump. Like, well, I don't know if you actually saw the rats. There were rats. I didn't see the rats, <laughs> but so since we, since we slept out for seats, and since the Celtics were so good back then. There weren't great seats that we got. And mm. so I remember having seats where, you know, okay, so this is a podcast, so people can't see, but you guys are going to see. I remember being in a seat, and the, the row in front of me came down to, like, my shoulders. The, old, yeah. the so, overhang? The overhang. Or, yeah. So I, I remember that. I, 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 yeah. I had to, like, you know, and that's why so many people stood on the outside, you know, in a circle, because there are, I don't know, hundreds, maybe even a couple thousand s- seats where – you couldn't see anything. I was going to say, I sat in those very seats. I remember when it was some, bad bu- dream. some buddies. And the, you you could see the court, but you couldn't see the scoreboard. Like no. You would have to like duck down and then crane your your neck upward to try yeah. to get underneath that overhang. <laughs> I mean, who knows why they designed it that way. No air conditioning. Right. So if you happen to get, like, you know, the Celtics famously played a finals game in, like, 95-degree heat, right? And yeah, it was. I remember, but you remember walking up those huge. I always used to get butterflies walking up those those huge ramps. Which in the first time, I don't know if everyone's dad tells them this the first time you go, but it's like this is where how they bring the elephants in when the circus is here. <laughs> this is like you, you need these huge. Um, but it was the only thing is I don't think the energy of the new garden ever approaches quite what it was in the old garden. Yeah, it just just. I mean, yeah, you don't. We don't want that sweaty, broken down, you know, shell of a stadium. But I lament that because the the new one is comfortable. Of course, I hate that they pipe in the sound. I'd like to know what you guys hear about that. That say about they that. still pipe in sound. Well, I don't know. Uh, okay, if not sound, the, the if not artificial, I've I've heard that every stadium does when they do the let's get loud thing. Yeah, on the screen, they actually will be playing the sound of a crowd cheering. To they make no bones about it, which is pretty pathetic. But I but, believe it. But the but all the the sound effects, dun, dun, tsh, tsh, dun, dun, and it's loud. And then in some stadiums, this drove me 
up the wall last year in the playoffs. I don't think they do it in Boston, but would just play music while yeah. game Miami. the game is being played. Miami, Miami would do it, right? I, I don't know. Does that not incense you? Yeah, <laughs> that did. That really that really bothered me. And um, and I agree with what you're saying about the old garden from an atmosphere perspective. And if you were a fan, you were at the game, and the, and the Celtics were were a great team. Yeah, this that can't be beat. As yeah. long as you didn't have a seat where you couldn't where you see couldn't anything see. in front I, of you. I, I love what Dave just said, right? Playing the Lakers in that June yeah. championship, about 95 degrees out, and the famous scene of Kareem on oxygen. sucking oxygen yeah. on the sideline. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was. And it just became more of the Celtics, like an hour back mystique, almost like Red had arranged it. And for whatever reason, it didn't bother the Celtics as oh. much as it bothered no. the Lakers. No. <laughs> Did either of you catch the TV show time about the Lakers? I watched one episode and it was horrible. <laughs> and didn't it, didn't it get canceled because it was so bad? Yeah. Well, I don't know exactly why it got canceled. That's um, what I heard. It, I ended up, did you catch it, Mark? No, no I, I heard bad things about it. So I stayed away from it. Michael Chiklis, late of the Shield and the Commish, played Red Auerbach and was pretty good. It, the, it, if you took it for what it was worth, it was not meant to be high drama. It was meant to be a fun show. I mean, you got John C. Riley, who's a jokester, playing Jerry Buss. Yeah. But the the thing that Celtics fans can celebrate is the whole thing was building to the '87 series finals when the the Lakers the Lakers first. T- knocked off the Larry Bird Celtics anyways, right? And then, let's face it, as Celtics fans, I, I mean, I kind of selectively forget that they won more championships <laughs> in that era than we did, for sure. But the whole story of winning time was building, building, building. The end of the second the end of the second season ends with the Celtics winning the 84 championship against the Lakers. And then... Clumsily in the last like sixty seconds, they re- they talk about what happened after that, which they had to do because the 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 thing was canceled. So, in a matter of speaking, we won in the end. So, <laughs> I didn't know that's how it ended. Yeah, well, it wasn't supposed to end that way. We do have a few minutes left to play our favorite game. More about Mike, which I'll explain in a moment. But let's uh, let's do it. More about Mike. More about Mike. More about Mike. Well, we pick a question out of the hat and we pose it to Mike, and in this case, Mike. And his guest, Mark. I'd like to say they're fully unprepared for the question, but somebody tipped them off. Anyway, we have a good question. The question is, would you rather be the best player on a horrible team or the worst player on a great team? And you, you want to go first, so, Mike? Or okay. So I'm going to defer to Mark on this because okay. I went first before when on other topics. And he really seemed to like this question. Yeah. As I look at it, I'm not liking it as much anymore. <laughs> It's it's a really tough one. Let's assume we're playing really high-level ball. We're playing collegiate or professional sports. I'm going to say I'd rather be the worst player on a great team. Hmm. I, I agree. I don't wait, wanna, wait, wait, why? Oh, before, before we get to it. The season, yeah, the season is so long. Your legacy, everybody's going to remember the team, whether or not they won or lost. Even if you average 22 points or whatever a game. On a lousy team, they're probably not going to remember that as much as you will remember. That's right. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'd, I'd want to be on a great team. And, you know, the more and more I think about it, even taking it back to going back to high school, mm-hmm. my senior year, I was probably the best player on a horrible team. Mm-hmm. 
and that season was miserable. Mm. Yeah, I scored my points, I got my rebounds, but we were two and eighteen, mm. and it was just miserable. Just the atmosphere, the culture, the my- fight, the fighting, the squabbling between mm. the players and coaches. I would never want to go through that again. I'd rather be the worst player on a great team pretty much at any level. I think I like your reasoning there. I, in my senior year of high school, we were 6-12. and 12. I still don't remember how we even won six. I wasn't quite the best player, though, so I'd rather be the worst player on a terrible team. Now, Mike, how would you answer the question? Yeah, I, w- I would answer it the same way. And w- what it makes me think of is – so. Brian Scalabrini always makes always jokes about himself in the 2008 Celtics. So he probably was the worst player in a great team. Close he was on it. that yeah. team, right? Mm-hmm. So I've heard him. You guys have probably heard this. He's like, he's like, you know what? He's like, the more years that go by, I'm going to be talking about that team. And like right now, I'll like people don't even remember that I didn't even dress in the finals. Mm. And a few years from now, I'm going to say, yeah, I, I dressed. And a few years later. I was a key player on the bench. <laughs> and then a few years later, yeah, I started for that team. <laughs> and a few years later, yeah, I, it was Paul Pierce and I were the reasons why they went. So he makes that joke. But I think that there's a lot of truth to that, that you'd you'd rather be on a great team even if you are the worst player. Yeah, I think the answer is simple because it's it's a team sport. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's it's that's that's what makes team sports so much better than, in my opinion, than golf or tennis or something because you can win but you don't have anyone to share it with it the you know the fact you know you remember gene hackman and hoosiers you know all five people operating as one on the court when you're part of something like that you remember that now i'll change the question a little bit before we go would you rather have charles barkley's have had charles barkley's career or robert ory's career so robert ory is has seven like something seven? like that yeah, yeah he's gonna look lot. it up yeah. but he was never the best player on his team he might not have even been wasn't even the, a starter right he was a but he was a role player and he did contribute and he is remembered for being clutch so he's got those things but he's got all these this hardware these rings charles barkley no rings but one of the greatest players of, of all time yeah, I mean, when you put it in those terms, it does make it hard. It's a leading question. It does. It, yeah, I mean, it does make it harder to answer than than the way we were answering it. Clearly, Barkley had a better career as an individual, but like you said, it's a team sport. Yeah, that I, I would probably rather have Robert Horry's career because you know it still bothers Barkley that he never won a championship. He even did those commercials totally. recently with his young Charles Barkley, <laughs> and young Charles Barkley says, "I wonder how many championships." Don't don't. No, don't tell me what happens. I want to be surprised. Yeah, you're going to be you're surprised. Be surprised. <laughs> yeah, well, you were spot on, Mark. Um, no, I think it's he a won bit, seven think, seven championships for uh, Ori. Ori won seven. You know, I think it's a little bit more of a difficult difficult question with Barkley because that's what I was trying to do. Bark, Barkley was not he was not on bad teams. Right. He was on plenty of really really good teams. Right, right? just, just never won a championship. Right. But to answer your question. Robert Ory winning seven titles. I mean, that's it's pretty it's unheard of. Yeah, and he can he can lay claim to the fact that it wasn't an accident. You know, right. I mean, maybe he he was that because you need glue players. You know, you need star players, but you need glue players too. And and, and Dave, if you remember, like you said, he had some huge clutch moments right. where he was a direct con- contributor right. to some of those championships and some of those games in the finals. He was a really good player, so. Without question, I would say Robert Ory. See, and then, 
I always say Ori too, and people think I'm crazy. I'm glad you guys agree. They called him <laughs> Big Shot Rob for yeah. a reason. Yeah. He yeah. wasn't yeah. just a, a player on the team. He wasn't Brian Scalabrini. Yeah, it's true. You know, he. Uh, I guess to Barkley's credit, the reason why people I think say Barkley maybe is because Hall of Fame career, but also he maybe in to draw a twisted comparison to Scalabrini, he has embraced his persona. He, he's taken you know his persona as a basketball player and turned it into something else. And he just enjoys life. Right. And that's cool. But that's because that's his personality. So. Right. Yeah. Anyway, we do have to run. And I thank Mark. I, I think you passed the audition. I mean, in my opinion, anyway. Mike, did he do all right? Or? I don't know. We'll have to talk about it after the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> now you did great. Well, we're going to have him back no matter what in the next in the next episode of Freeman on Real Estate. Until then, Mike, if you could remind our listeners how to get in touch with you. Sure. So the best way is to call me on my cell, 617-759-1513. Or you can send me an email, mike.freeman at nemoves.com. Very cool. Thank you, Mike. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks when the next episode of this podcast posts. Please follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And thank you for listening to Freeman on Real Estate.